the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I understand that this is a large church, but the most common mistake we make is to think that we can separate our personal life from the rest of this church. That we can go out Monday through Friday and uh, live however we want to live. I can do what I want. It doesn't affect the church. Everything you do affects this church. You got to decide if you want to be a Christian, are you in or are you out? If you're going to call yourself a Christian, then you live for the Lord with all of your heart. Surrender everything to Him completely and totally. Welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you've found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants to God and help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us tonight. I want you to uh, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We are one-third of our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, we've all heard of scandals in professional sports. We've heard of scandals in the White House. We've heard of scandals in our government, scandals on Wall Street, scandals in the military. Our text today, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we learn of a scandal in the church. This is a very difficult topic. It is in our text. Uh, We begin, number one in your notes, with a repulsive situation that is worse than even the pagans. Now, do not forget, if you've not been with us, uh, we've explained the background of the city of Corinth. It was a large city, extremely corrupt and vile in nature. Immorality was rampant. They had a temple in Corinth called the Temple of Aphrodite where they had over 1,000 prostitutes in the temple. And part of the worship in that culture was for people who lived in that city, if you wanted to worship, you went to the temple to visit one of the male or female prostitutes. Now, in the middle of this perverse culture is a church. Now, the church is supposed to be pure. The church is supposed to be holy. The church is supposed to be different than the world. The church is supposed to be the salt and the light, just like God has called this church, Shepherd of the Hills, to be the salt and the light in the midst of this corrupt culture. Now, the church in Corinth, instead of it being the salt and light, 
we read of a repulsive situation that was worse than was even going on in that culture. Let's look at the first verse, chapter 5, verse 1. It says that it has actually been reported. This is not rumor. This is not gossip. It's actually been reported that there is sexual immorality among you, the church, that does not even occur among the pagans. And then it tells you what it is. A man has his father's wife. There's a man sleeping with his stepmother. It's sad to say that oftentimes, sin and immorality begin to creep into the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't really need to list these things because I think if there is sin in your heart or if there's sin in my heart as we go through something like this, I think the Holy Spirit convicts us deep down. The Holy Spirit points out the impurities in our hearts. Whether or not it's adultery, and I, and I, I got to believe that there's people right now inside this room that are engaged in adultery. I have, I have to believe that with the size, the number of people that are here. It might be a fornication. There have to be people here engaged in homosexuality. There has to be people here, probably, my guess, people who are living together outside the boundaries of marriage. I'm going to guess there's people here who view pornography, folks who lie or steal or gossip, people who are committing financial indiscretions. We've got to have people who swear, people who lust. And what we know as we study God's Word is that God's heart, His desire, His intention is that the church would be pure, that the church would be different, that the people who go to church would be different than the people who don't go to church. We should be, by the way we live our life, setting the example for people who don't go to church. Now, the thing that bothered Paul was not just the sin that was worse than the pagans, but you think verse 1 is bad. Verse 2 is the bad verse. What bothered him was the wickedness of the pride in the hearts of the people in the church towards that particular sin, okay? Because he says in verse 2, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief. And that word grief is the same word, you know, if you've ever lost a, have you ever lost a loved one and you grieved and mourned over the fact that you lost that loved one? Have you ever, have you ever experienced grief, true grief? He says, shouldn't you have rather been filled with grief over that sin and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Paul was shocked by the sin, yes. But he was more shocked by the attitude of the people in the church and their tolerance of that sin. And that's really where we are as a nation today. The United States of America, it's where we are. We have accepted sin. Sin is no longer a big deal in our country. Even if 
you know, we, we even know that it's wrong, but it's no big deal. We have what Jeremiah calls in Jeremiah 3.3, the forehead of a prostitute. What is a forehead of a prostitute? It means that we no longer blush over sin. We no longer grieve over sin. We're no longer broken over sin. We no longer weep and cry over sin. We have things that were just as bad as what you're reading in verse 1, abortion. We abort a million babies a year, and no one seems to care. We have, we have gang violence in every city. In Los Angeles this weekend, there'll be all kinds of kids in the inner city that will be gunned down the streets. Nobody cares. Is there anyone, is there anyone here doing any, anything about that? Uh, I mean, are our politicians doing anything? Are church members doing anything? Are we doing anything to stop that? Anything? Gambling? You know, you know there's like casinos now in every city. That's like, I went up to Fresno. There's like six casinos in Fresno. They're everywhere. Nobody cares. Pornography. It's on every phone. It's on every computer. It's on every iPad. And now, same-sex marriage. Hey, it's normal. It's normal now. That's normal. You, you know what it is now? You know what, you know what today, today the sin is? We, got, we have marijuana shops now like on every corner. I can't find a McDonald's when I want a McDonald's, but I can find a marijuana shop on every corner in L.A. And soon it will be some other sin. And what do we do? Oh, we have the forehead of a prostitute. It doesn't really bother us. But that's what bothered the Apostle Paul. That the people in that church, inside the church, had become so callous to sin, they were actually proud of the fact that, you know, we welcome anybody in our church. You sleep with your mother-in-law, no problems. You're welcome here. But here's the lesson. When people get so accepting of sin, it's a sign that our hearts have become calloused, that we have drifted away from God, that we have been deceived. We're no longer different than the people in the world. And what we are, we are the impure body of Christ. And you see, when we sin, you say, it's no big deal when I sin. Yes, it is a big deal. Because whenever we sin, whenever I sin, I am making the body of Christ impure. And what are we? We're the bride of Christ, and we're waiting for Jesus Christ to return. Now, if you're engaged to get married, and your future husband is off preparing the house and taking, he's you know, building a house for you, and uh, he's getting everything set up, your, your room, and, and he's making sure that you're, everything's perfect for you, and then he's going to come pick you up, and then you're going to get married. What are you supposed to be doing while you're waiting for your fiance? You're supposed to be pure. You're supposed to be waiting so that when he comes back, that you're both pure. And you have this thing called a marriage where you live forever and ever. And that's what we are. We are the church. That's all we are. We're the bride of Christ. And where's Jesus? He's out. What's he doing? He's preparing our place, and he's coming back. And when he comes back for us, he's coming back for his bride. And what kind of bride will he find? He's supposed to find a pure bride. That's why when we go and commit sin, we're making the bride of Christ impure. And listen, Paul was heartbroken. He was heartbroken. 
not just over the sin, he was heartbroken over the callousness of the people in the church. Oh, yeah, it's no big deal. It's just sin. It's no big deal. I don't care what your sin is or any sin in the church. I don't care what the sin is. You and I as Christians should grieve over sin. We should mourn. We should mourn. Should kill you inside when you see someone sinning inside the church. Someone who calls himself a Christian. Not condoning sin, not accepting sin, not being tolerant of sin. Number two, write this down are the results of sin. There are some results. And I gave you a little definition. It's not in your outline, but it's in your notes. Sin is just any time someone disobeys God. You see, you don't get to decide what sin is. We can't have a vote in America. We're going to vote on something moral. And if enough immoral people decide that something that used to be moral is now immoral now the immoral becomes moral it doesn't work like that and that's what we've done in our government we've taken god out of every equation and now the government comes back now think about this they have removed god from the equation and now they rule over us by passing thousands of laws what are they doing they the government is trying to legislate morality on you okay not god them do you understand that and the point i'm making is the government they don't get to decide what sin is you don't get to decide what sin is i don't get to decide what's right and wrong god is the one who decides what's right and wrong and sin stay with me hey hey i fully expect next week in the church attendance to go way down i want you to know that all right i i i knew when I was going through this, there's not going to be many people here next weekend, all right? We're just going to have to start over with whoever's here, okay? I'm aware of this. I'm aware of this. But sin is any time you or I disobey God, okay? Now, sin always has consequences. Any time you break God's law. There are consequences. Here's what the Bible says in Galatians 6, verse 7. In the first part of verse 8, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, and the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap. There's a word in the Bible, will reap what? Destruction. We learn from Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 of the two roads. The one road is real narrow, only a few people are on it, and that road leads to everlasting life. But in Matthew 7, 13, it says there's a broad road, and many people are on that road, and the Bible tells us where that road leads. It leads to destruction. Anytime we break one of God's laws, damage, number one, write this down, to self occurs. All kinds of harmful things happen to you. There's emotional scarring. Physically, your body gets out of balance. You, it, it robs you of your joy. Sin causes guilt and sleepless nights. 
you lose your usefulness. I, I really believe that God wants to use you as a vessel, but, but as a pure vessel, when you get all that junk and sin in you, the, you know, it's like a drain. The water won't go through the drain. You, it's got to be pure for God really to work through you. Eternally, it, it, sin separates us from God. But there's two things. Write this down in your notes. Sin blinds you, and then it binds you. There's, there's three little words. I'm not going to read it right now, but the three little words in verse 6, it says, don't you know. Anytime the Bible says, don't you know, you don't know. You should know, but you don't know. You know why you don't know? Because you've been blinded. He wouldn't have to say, don't you know, unless you knew. But he says, don't you know, because sin blinds. You know, I have, I have two eyeballs. One, two. These eyeballs allow me to see things physically but in my heart my heart also has eyeballs and those eyeballs allow me to see things and understand things spiritually and whenever I commit sin those eyes become dull calloused and blind where I can no longer see and understand things that's why someone who's in the world and you try to explain something spiritual, they, they can't understand it. Why? Because they got so much sin. Sin blinds us from the truth. But even if you could see, and maybe, maybe, yeah, that is wrong, or I, I should be involved with that, the second thing it does is it binds you. I mean, once you start engaged in, in sin, it traps you. It ensnarls you. That's why Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles because sin there is an addictive nature to sin. Are drugs addictive? Yes. They are. Is sex addictive? It is. Is lying? Once you start, you kind of, you know, you start, man, you start rolling off the lies. Is cursing addictive i mean once you start do you know anyone who has a hard time stopping it's once you start it's hard to stop is pride addictive yes all sin listen all sin it blinds and then it binds you you're trapped i wonder i wonder how many people in this church watch or view pornography and they'd like to quit deep down? They wish they could break loose of that, but they can't. It's because sin, once you start, you're trapped. How many people in this church are, are addicted to drugs or to alcohol? You'd like to stop. You wish you could stop. How many chronic liars? You, you, you lie, you'd like to not lie, but you've told, you've told so many lies, you, can't, you yourself can't tell the difference between truth and a lie. You've lied so long. How many people in this church have anger issues? How many people in this church, sitting here listening, there is someone you can't forgive. Somebody, somebody did something against you, man, you just are, you're sitting there right now, and you are trapped 
by your own inability to forgive someone. Now, here's a greater issue in this text. Whenever you sin, you're not just damaging yourself. I want you to write this down. You are damaging the church as a whole. What you do affects the entire church as a whole. Now hear me out on this. Look at verse 6. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Verse 7. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast. Now he's using a cooking and baking analogy. It takes just a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven, that you put it in there in the dough, just put a little bit in there, and it makes its way through the entire batch of dough. Likewise, what he's saying, if there's just one of you, one of us, engaged in sin, What he's saying is that it openly spreads or influences the entire church. It's the principle of one rotten apple ruins the entire barrel. And I understand that this is a large church, but the most common mistake we make is to think that we can separate our personal life from the rest of this church. That we can go out Monday through Friday and, 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 and uh, live however we want to live. I can do what I want. It doesn't affect the church. It doesn't affect my life group. It doesn't affect my youth group. It doesn't really affect the kids in the nursery. It doesn't really affect the worship service over there, Shepherd. You are so mistaken. You are so deceived. Everything you do affects this church. you got to decide if you want to be a Christian, are you in or are you out? If you're going to call yourself a Christian, then you live for the Lord with all of your heart. Surrender everything to Him completely and totally. If you were blessed by Pastor Dudley's message and would like to pray with someone, our phone lines are available now and ready for your call. Our number is easy to remember. Call us right now at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Our Lift Up Jesus phone counselors are ready for any prayer needs you may have at this time. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, He would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing His people to take possession of the promised land. In His book, Walls Fall Down, 
Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.